0: Well, kia ora, team, it's nice to have you here. Hey, um, oh, my notes are all messed up. Well, okay. Well, hey team, it's it's really good to be here. Um, for the next fifteen minutes, I get to continue our series on connection without compromise, which Beck started off. We're looking at the Book of Daniel. Uh, she preached on identity last week. If you missed it. Seriously, jump on the Life Church app. I, I mean, I think it's pretty good. Um, so, yeah, if you're listening to the Life Church app right now, actually just pause it, go back to Bex's. Yeah, okay, we're good. Um, a bit about me before I start. My name is Rory. Um, I'm 24. I've got a wife down there. She's pretty cool. Uh, I graduated from university. Uh, <laughs> I got a degree in biochemistry. I, I, I don't work in biochemistry. Uh, currently I'm a youth presenter, which basically means I go into high schools and I talk about stuff like, um, like puberty. And and I never thought I'd figure, I never thought I'd be there. You know, like when you ask a kid what they want to do when they're young, they go, I want to be a policeman or a doctor or like, I want to be a fire truck. But, um, I'm not sitting in intermediate class watching the health teacher being like, yes, this is what I want to do. I want to be the puberty man. But, but I am. So. <laughs> Guys, um, I'm not talking about puberty, uh, unfortunately for you. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about something that I find really interesting. Um, that is actually really central to the Christian walk as well. It's uh, this thing called worship. And so what I want to start with is this book of Daniel chapter 3. And uh, if you're new, uh, welcome. If you're new to this whole Christian thing, especially welcome. You may not know what the book of Daniel is all about understandable. Basically, this book of Daniel starts in 605 BC. It's about 600 years before the birth of Jesus. And this nation called Babylon has come in and overthrown the Jewish people. And so they've taken some people from Judah, from the noble families to go and teach them in the temple, or sorry, teach them in the palace. This King Nebuchadnezzar has uh, ordered them to learn for three years before going into service for him. And so in Daniel 3, we're going to follow three guys, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, as they go in service of King Nebuchadnezzar. Here it is up on the screen, hopefully. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent the messages to high high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up because Nebuchadnezzar is king and he can do that. So all these officials came and stood before the statue he had set up. Then the herald shouted, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, I don't know what the zither is either. <laughs> it's a string instrument. The lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other magical instruments bowed to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey would immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews, you issued a decree requiring all the people bow down and worship the gold statue when they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, I actually googled it, it's very strange, look it up, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and all other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into the blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. The Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage, ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before them. When they brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. And this is my favorite line of the whole story. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, we'll never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. They basically said, jog on, mate. (laughs) And so the question that is really key to all this, once again, the question that is really key in all of this is what is the big deal? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what is the big deal? It's just bowing down to a statue. And by the way, you get thrown into a blazing furnace if you don't do it. Man, there's statues all over Christchurch. I work in town. I pass one most times. It's the Queen of Victoria statue to go and get lunch. Last week, my shoelace came untied in front of it. I, I bowed down. I did up my shoelace. And no one was threatening to kill me. But I still, be- it was simple. What's the big deal? And I think I think, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego knew that bowing to something was worship. For them, this was worship. And so why wouldn't they worship the statue? Because they knew the power of worship. Here's my first point. Do you know worship is powerful? Because worship is powerful. And that's because worship doesn't only look like this up on a stage where we sing to God on a Sunday. And actually, since 605 BC, our society has changed and refined. But actually, and I want to put this on you, every single person on earth today worships. It doesn't matter if you're a theist or an atheist. It doesn't matter if you're rational or emotional. It doesn't matter if you've got 20 PhDs or if you're dropped out of school when you're in year seven. Everyone worships something. And I think our Western understanding of worship's a little bit off. When I started preparing, I actually Googled the definition of worship, and it said to show reverence or adoration to a deity, and that's a good start, but I think there's more to it than that. For starters, it doesn't have to be a deity. Um, There's Hebrew and Greek words for worship. I can't pronounce them. I'm not going to try, but the origin to some of these words for the Hebrew word used in the Bible for worship means to bow down. One of the Greek words means to uh, kiss someone's hand or as like a a dog would lick the master's hand to show that they're in the boss or uh, to hold an oar. And so what I really think a good 21st century definition of worship for us is that worship or worshiping is the thing that you care about the most and therefore it is the thing that you give authority over you to it. Worship is the thing that you care about most and therefore it is the thing you give authority over you to it. And everyone worships because everyone cares about something. And actually, worship is powerful. Let me give you an example. When I was in year 12, NCA level 2, I wanted to be recognized for my intelligence. And so in all my exams, I strived for excellence. And I realized half of you, this is not your story whatsoever, but that's okay. But I, I wanted to get excellence in all my exams, all my tests. And when I did get excellence, which I did in some of them, woo, um, I felt, as we all should feel. I let myself be loved, I I could like myself. But I remember we'd come through the whole year and we're sitting down an exam period. And the level two, what would be 2011, Japanese exam. I sat down and I opened the page and my stomach just drops. Because it's all in a foreign language and I don't understand Japanese. That moment, all my self-worth and love for myself left because I'd given authority of myself over to a grade from a stupid Japanese exam. The question, that's not it either.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. There we go. Man, weren't the worship team great? I got this song stuck in my head. That's so good. That looks a bit better. Worship is powerful. It's so powerful, in fact, that in 605 BC, or there or thereabouts, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego said, hey, we would prefer to die than worship the thing that you set up for us. So the question I want to ask is this one up here. What are you worshiping? What are you worshiping? I've heard it said by uh, a Christian preachers, perhaps you heard it as well, the big three, girls, gold, glory, sex, money, fame. Have some people heard those? And I think, yeah, that's a good place to start. Um, perhaps you do truly care about, that's what your deepest desire is, is sex. And you want to be in a relationship and you measure your worth by how much you are sexually sought after. Or maybe it's, it's money and you seek after that and you give power to what can secure or jeopardize that. Or maybe it's fame. But I think really we're a bit more complex than that right now. Maybe you don't care about fame, but you do care about your image. Like you care about how people see you on social media, on Instagram or Facebook. Or maybe you don't want money, but you want the freedom that it gives you. And so you hate your job and you live for the weekends. Or maybe, I don't know, you um, have just like basically bankrupted yourself because you want all the vouchers from the McDonald's monopoly tokens. These, are, these things are unhealthy though. You can see them, right? Unhealthy. Here's the thing though. There's actually some things that we disguise as good that we can worship that aren't actually good. If this makes sense, I'll, I'll explain in a second. Here's here's a list. Your career and getting ahead of it, your university grades, your friends, your family. These are good things, but worshiping these can be unhealthy too. And look, before I get too far, I realize that right now I'm speaking in a church, and I'm speaking to most people who identify themselves as Christian. And so when we say, what are we worshiping? You guys are a step ahead. You're like, oh, no, we're worshiping God. I've got it. I've heard this preached before. I've been around the block. I've done some years. It's God. I've got the answer. You can, st- but, but do we really? Because I think these are really hard questions to answer. What do you care about most? And what are you giving authority to? It's actually hard to answer. I think you want to find out the answer to those questions. You look at where you spend your time and your money. And so as a Christian would, or as a person seeking after God would and worshiping God, Are you spending time thinking and learning about God by reading your Bible? Or are you spending time with him in prayer or uh, in prayer throughout your day? Are you spending time serving other people, doing God's will? And your money, are you tithing? Or if I asked you, when was the last time you were generous, could you tell me? Are are some of the things that we're identifying as good, are they slipping in? Because they do for me. If you're spending 40 hours in a workplace working hard and a little bit overtime, it's all good. But then maybe you're still thinking about it when you get home. And then maybe when you're trying to get ahead, those people that jeopardize that or secure that, your boss or your co-workers, so you're constantly thinking about what they're saying about you. Or maybe there's a little comment that gets made and it's cutting you deeply. Man, maybe you're, maybe you're worshiping your career just a little bit. Or maybe it's your friends and your family and you really care about them and that's awesome. But you're giving too much to yourself, or they're saying or doing things that are hurting you a bit too much. Maybe you're giving authority over to them, so when you're saying, they're saying things about your identity or your future, it's affecting you more than you should. Maybe you're worshipping them. What are you worshipping? Everyone worships something. They got loud. I think more important than that, though, is why are you worshipping? And This is only a theory, but it's a theory that hasn't failed me yet as I've been thinking it over. I think everyone worships something. Everyone cares about something and gives authority to something because you want to be loved and accepted. Like my level two Japanese exam, I'm looking for the greater excellence because I'm looking for someone to call me excellent. I'm looking for love and acceptance because I've given authority over to a stupid Japanese exam. And this is why no matter what you're worshiping, it's not as good as God. Because God is the only person that loves you and accepts you unconditionally. I love food. I love food. I love sweet food. I love love crispy M&Ms in a family share pack, but I don't share them. I love chocolate caramels from the pick and mix section at Pack and Save Ricketing because I can't find them anywhere else. They're amazing. I love Whitakers dairy milk chocolate. What I don't think I'm alone is, though, is that I like, I like my mum's baking. Is anyone else like that? You like your mum's baking? It's got that sense of nostalgia to it, right? In particular, I love my mum's muffins. She would, uh, it, they, they were a bit rare, to be honest. But she'd make carrots, she'd make bananas, best of all, blueberry. And these were so rare because she only got the blueberries on sale. But when she made them, they were always moist. They were always sweet. Oh my gosh, they were packed with blueberries. They were lovely, best blueberry muffin I ever had. And so I remember coming home one day after school in year 11 and you open the door and you know how the waft, it just wafts through it, and you oh, it's going to be a good afternoon. And you see the muffins on the cooling rack and I went and I picked it up and I ate it and I started chewing and it tasted good. But then it tasted a wee bit off like a wee bit sour and so I had another bite and yeah I know something's wrong by now and so my mum comes in the room and I go hey mum what's wrong with these blueberry muffins she goes blueberry I was trialing a new recipe those are zucchini muffins (laughs) zucchini you're trying to poison me mum get behind me satan My nose had lied to me. I thought they were blueberry muffins. I'd been lied to before I knew it, I was eating zucchini muffins. They are the worst muffins I've <laughs> ever had. And I've had two-week-old stale countdown muffins. <sighs> whatever it is you're worshiping, what are you spending your time and money on, whatever you giving power to, you're thinking it's good as God, it's not, you're, you're eating a zucchini muffin. You'll find it. It's true. Guys, worshiping God is better because the world will only ever give you conditional love. Maybe um, as I'm preaching, or maybe as I'm talking, you're thinking, actually, man, I actually am feeling a bit tired. You're like, man, I, I'm tired. I'm stressed out about, you know, what the boss co coworkers are saying. I'm tired about what their next exam result's saying. I'm tired about, man, what the social media... Is saying about me. I love this verse, Matthew eleven twenty eight to thirty. Come to me, all you who, all, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're tired, come to God. And maybe, yeah, you identify. You say, man, I, yeah, I'm a Christian, and I've been doing this for a wee while, but you have been kind of stepping away, but. A wee bit. You have been starting to, let's say, worship, care too much about some of those other things. Then come back. We're going to break this down in a second. I actually want the panel to come up now. I want to finish with uh, this. The story on Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, it didn't end with them just refusing. They get thrown in the furnace. And that furnace gets heated seven times hotter than it ever has. And then Nebuchadnezzar gets his guys to throw them in, and some people die as they throw them in. And as Nebuchadnezzar is looking to see if they're burning, he goes, hold up. How many people did we throw in? I thought we threw in three. Why do I see four? And why does the fourth one look like God? Because God was with them in the fire. So worshiping God is good because he's going to give you rest when you're burdened and weary. He's going to give you joy when you're not supposed to have it. He's going to give you love unconditionally when you haven't earned it. And when you go through the fires, when you go through the tough things in life, Guys, he's going to be there right beside you. God is better than the very best that the world can offer you. Guys, worship God. Let's go deconstruct it now.
1: Great, awesome. Thank you, Rory. So Thanks now we come me. to our life talk panel. It was a chance to, as Rory said, deconstruct what was been spoken about, and it's also your chance to contribute a little bit as well. So we've got the phone. The numbers on the screen. Um, So if you've got questions, if there was things that Rory shared that you're like, I'd love you to talk a little bit more about this, or could you explain this, make sure you text them through, it's always a lot more fun when we have some audience participation. So my name's Jono, here with us is Carl, we've got Emma and Rory as well. Now Rory, I I really liked what you said there about the, um, the sense that we're actually, you were kind of alluding to the fact we were made to worship, eh? Like it's something that is innate inside us.
0: Did you read my notes?
1: Possibly, potentially. I mean, you kind of read from them too. So I feel like I might have skipped everyone's, over it there. Everyone's read them, but like it's a sense of like we're all made to worship, eh? Yeah. And that and that is why everyone is worshiping something because that's something deep inside us. And as I was reflecting over it, it actually goes right back to the garden when you said, you know, people will find something to worship because what the enemy's done is the first thing he did was try to get them to worship something that wasn't God. You know, I said, if you, if you will do this, you will become like God instead of worshiping themselves. And so it goes right back there. But can we talk a little bit about how last week we mentioned identity. Yep. Do you think that there is a link between our identity and what we worship? Or do you think our worship affects our identity in any way? 100%.
0: Uh, when I was reflecting on how do we get a good 21st century definition of this, what do we give authority over to is really who are you letting speak mm. into you? So what words are you letting get spoken over to you which shape your identity? And so really, a, a, I mean, as I was preparing it, I realized more and more how excellent uh, what Bex had to share was because they, they do go hand in hand together. And absolutely what you are caring about deeply and what you are giving authority to does shape who you are as, as a person. It mm. does shape your identity. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think it also, it it really should make us have a good, strong think about, like, if we're actually giving authority to something, like, when you think about it in that way, that I'm actually giving authority over my life to something, then that really should make us have a hard think about, actually, what what are the things that we're, you know, worshipping? Does anyone else want to jump in on that? I
2: think there are, um, is this working? There are many traps, I think, around our identity that lead us to worship something other than God, Mm. because driven by insecurities, I'm looking for something to fill voids, or to make me feel good about myself, yeah. and sometimes that can be something other than God. Mm. So there are many traps that lead us or distract us. I, I talk about it like I heard it said once that the enemy has weapons of mass distraction—things mm-hmm. right. things right. that will take our attention or lead us away from from God. Yeah. And I think our identity, what I'm looking for to fill the void in my life, I can—I'm not. Maybe I'm not feeling like I'm getting it from God, so I'm going to search for it somewhere else. And we can search for things all over the place mm. where we shouldn't search for them but trying to fill a need for mm. who I am yeah.
1: yeah identity so what's the what's the difference between just simply enjoying something to then worshiping it because obviously God has created us to enjoy this world and there's things in our lives that we do want to enjoy and he wants us to have fun and and have a fulfilled life so where's the where's the balance i suppose in between just simply enjoying something to actually now as rory put it giving it handing over authority of our lives to it.
0: Do you want to jump in? Or, uh, Don't
1: have to. I
3: think, <laughs> like, um, one thing is, like, what we prioritize in life. Yeah. So it's, like, where our priorities lie. So you can enjoy things and you can have fun with things, like, you know, and, like, spend time with your mates and stuff like that. But I think if you overindulge in things and then you find that it takes up a lot of your time and it takes that time away from prayer or it takes mm. the time away, like, you find yourself maybe, like, not attending church or stuff like that. Like, it takes you away, and you find yourself finding out that you're, you're relying on it so much that, it, you're, you're, that your identity yeah, is right. is isn't that, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. not in Christ. And I think in this generation, like, you're surrounded by social media, and there's so many mm-hmm. distractions, mm-hmm. and that you can easily fall away from, like, you know, following Christ. But then it is that daily sacrifice that we do where it is... Prayer and mm. by the Bible mm. and living mm. by the word, cool. that it kind of like yeah, it's just still in that.
1: Right, right.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I like to think of it as like as as long as you're putting God on top, because you have to worship something, because you ha- you are innately caring about something. If you're putting God on top, then the rest of kind of falls into order. Where like if you still and that's where those checks come in with. Uh, time and time and money are the two big ones. Uh, you're two big resources on earth. And if you're looking at, oh, am I still spending a good chunk of, of time and money being you know, being generous and being courteous to others and spending time with God? And then I think it's very hard to be worshipping something else if you've still got those checks in place. Mm.
2: That's why I think um, repentance is a good word. Mm. It's not a word we necessarily, we don't like, it, we, any, but... We necessarily like. But I think the power of the cross and Jesus Christ is the power of the turnaround. Mm, mm. Because I think we all are easily distracted and easily even lured away if we're not aware or not careful. I think the enemy's quite subtle at times. It's not like all of a sudden, today I'm worshiping God, tomorrow I'm not. It can be a gradual one decision after another. And I think that that's why I love the fact that we can each have the power of a turnaround. It's, it's, I've got to get my life back on track and Mm, put God mm. number one. And I think the message that you brought tonight and the sitting and, and contemplating what was shared is it's actually a challenge for all of us mm, mm. you can work in a church mm. uh, and have the exact, you got the exact same challenges the exact same battles totally. which is is something else taking central place in my life yeah so yeah. i love the fact that for every single one of us we're in the boat of having to check and say thank goodness for christ and the cross and the mm. grace of god that mm. i had
1: the power of a turnaround yes and at any point i can turn back to god and yep. put Him number one so so what are the what are maybe some of the tips and tricks that you guys have found that have helped you start, you know, getting your life back on track? If you how do you have you guys started to identify the things that you have given authority over to you? Someone's texting a question, how have you how do you overcome the strength of that idolatry? If it's your image you're worried about, what are some of the things that you guys have found that have helped you to kind of identify those things and move forward through them?
0: To be really old school memory versus I remember uh, writing out stuff that God, you know, just ripping it straight from the Bible and just placing it in a well to, you know, that I often see. So I placed it uh, beside my bed, and it was just things that God said about me. Hmm. And I was like, if you Because, yeah, you, you, you so often get things negatively said about your identity, about yourself, and negative words spoken over you. But if you're sitting... And it's the same thing with you know, reading your Bible or praying often, mm-hmm. if you're constantly coming back to a positive influence, and, I mean, for, for me, that was memory versus just sitting right there, being like, no, what you're saying is wrong because, I don't know, God has made me more than a conqueror, mm-hmm. for instance.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Cool. So, yeah. cool. Old school can be new school. <laughs> Some things last the test I of mean, time. I mean, it still works. No, that still a, works. That's a good thing. It's a great thing. Yeah, cool. Sweet. Also, are we, are oh, we finished? No, 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 you go for it. Do you we want go. to say something on that? Um, having good people that reflect with you. Mm. Uh, I, I think sometimes we, we can get tunnel vision. And, and mm. so another perspective is a good thing as well and, and, and challenges. And I think if you stay close to God mm. and, and you spend time with God, you're open to the voice of God, God, God will speak to you. Mm. Uh, God, God will shape your heart. God will tap you on the shoulder. Yeah. Uh, people will notice things in your life. Hey, your, your church attendance has slipped quite far back or you're, there's something not quite right with you. And so having people in your life that love you and are willing to speak the truth in love, going through the same journey, mm. really important. Mm. Mm.
1: Cool. Just to finish up, because we're almost out of time, but obviously the series is talking about like being in the world and, and living without compromising our faith. Mm. So do you guys want to maybe share a little bit about how how does how does what we worship affect people in our lives? Like if we've got people in our lives who maybe don't know God, people in our workplace, our school, whatever, how does what we worship have an impact on them? Does it? Does it have an impact on them?
0: Someone else take it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, I
2: I think, I've just been reading about Solomon's life, for example, and, uh, you know, God turned up and spoke to him twice. He's a guy who was full of the wisdom of God. People traveled from all over the world to listen to his wisdom. And there are things that God spoke to him, but one was that there shall only be one God, not many gods. Mm. I'm the only God. God was a jealous God. I'm the God of Mm. Israel. Mm. And he set up idols, and he set up other, other um, idols to worship, and the nation, once he died, was taken away from him. And I think the, the, the fact that the what I worship actually does have an impact on other people because for that nation, the mm. blessing of God was lifted off them. Uh, I don't know if that answers your question in any way whatsoever, yeah, that's good. except that I think I have power over my family, for example. I have mm, influence mm. over other lives. What I worship really matters because mm. I'm inviting the blessing or favor of God into sure. my family sure. and into my friendship yep, group and to those right. that I work with versus the blessing of God that's not there anymore. Yeah, right. I don't
1: know. Wow, Awesome. Brilliant. I not know that it was awesome, John. but thank you. Oh, I think anything you say is awesome, man. Well, you're cool. alive hey, that, too. We're, we're out of time, so that brings us, I want to hand back over to Rory. But before you jump up, Rory, just yeah, make sure you continue this conversation on. Sorry, man. Continue this conversation on, take someone out for a coffee, head out to hangouts afterwards and keep talking about it. Because I think, like you said, having people around you to be able to you know, debrief you, be in community with, is the best way to do it. It's the best way to live life is with people who can build you up, help you see those things and make that turnaround. So, awesome. Thank you, panel. Can we give these guys a hand?
3: Yeah.